Hello! In this next part of my Drug Facts series, we'll be learning about nicotine and tobacco. I am very happy to be joined by Dr. Bonnie Halpern-Felsher, also known as Dr. Bonnie, Professor of Pediatrics in Adolescent Medicine at Stanford University and the founder of the Tobacco Prevention Toolkit. It's wonderful to be speaking with you today, Dr. Bonnie. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. Let's begin. So what is nicotine and where does it come from? Sure. So nicotine is actually a drug. It's the addictive component that's in tobacco products. And it comes from, uh, typically it comes from the tobacco plant. There are now new products that have been synthesizing nicotine, but generally speaking, it does come from the tobacco plant. And what is the difference between nicotine and tobacco? Yeah. So, well, tobacco is one component that it's that, and tobacco is the leaf, the tobacco leaf. And when we are smoking a cigarette or um, smoking any tobacco products, we're certainly smoking or inhaling or vaping or whatever it is, or chewing for people using smokeless tobacco, the tobacco leaf is often in there. Nicotine is one component that's just pulled out, and that is the highly addictive component of tobacco. Hmm. What are some of the immediate effects of nicotine on the body? Yeah, so one of the most important things to realize about nicotine is that nicotine, as I said before, is an addictive substance. So the most important, especially for high school students and and younger and a little bit older, is to realize that our brains continue to develop until we're about 25. And that's really cool. It means that our brains are looking for, well, by, by having brains that are developing during that time, it's why we're more creative. It's why we, as a adolescent and a young adult, can learn language. We can be thinking of new ideas. We can be cool artists. There's a lot of good to our brains developing and searching, but our brains are really searching for what's making us happy. Our brains are searching for what we like, Do we like chocolate more than peanut butter? Do we like candy more than a savory treat, you know, chips more than candy? That's what our brain is trying to figure out. At the same time it's doing this, we have a lot of synapses and a lot of neuronal connections in our brain. And what what our brain's trying to do at the time is prune away the connections that we don't need, prune away the things that we don't need, prune away the parts that we don't like. So we're born with the ability and the receptors, the nicotine receptor, or we're born with receptors in our brain, neuronal connections to make us addicted. We are born with the nicotine receptors. If we don't introduce anything into our body that has nicotine in it, until well after our brains are developed, then our brain would say, oh, this connection, this nicotine receptor hasn't been used, probably isn't something we like, isn't needed, so goodbye receptor. The problem is, is once we introduce something to our brains that has nicotine, again, smoking a cigarette, vaping, chewing uh, smokeless tobacco, hookah, anything that has nicotine in it, once we put that into our body and then it goes through the body into the brain pretty quickly, once we do that, then our brain says, oh, I actually now see that I like the nicotine and I want to keep that in my body. I want to keep that nicotine receptor. 
So your body keeps that receptor if you're an adolescent young adult rather than prune it away. And it makes us so much more likely to become addicted because now that nicotine is replacing when I was saying our body's looking for things that we like, our body's replacing or thinking, oh, I like the high from the nicotine rather than finding pleasure from safer, healthier things. And the truth is, Nicotine is not really causing pleasure. It's kind of this false sense of pleasure. What it's causing is a need and addiction. And it's way better to get that sense of higher excitement or euphoria or pleasure from running or exercising or um, having fun with friends or doing things that are healthier that we're not going to become negatively addicted to like we do with nicotine. Is it possible for someone to overdose on nicotine? And if so, How do we treat it? Um, So you're not going to overdose in the same way as you might think about overdosing on some other drugs, but you can become, you can have nicotine poisoning, you can become sick from it. But when you're thinking about treating, the most important thing that we need to think about is nicotine addiction. So yes, we're getting some young people who are having nicotine poisoning, having too much nicotine in their bodies, but the biggest concern is the addiction. So how do we treat addiction? You know, addiction is not easy to treat. We know with adults, for example, who are smoking cigarettes, who are trying to quit smoking cigarettes, needed to, uh, on average, try to quit maybe five to 11 times. So it's not that different for teenagers. It's very hard to quit, but there are methods out there. And it's important to take those methods seriously and to get some help, not try to do it alone. There are 1-800-QUIT-NOWS and all kinds of online and computer and phone chats and support systems and hotlines that young people can use, quit lines. There's my quit my life. There's the truth initiatives. This is it. This is quitting. We have through our tobacco prevention toolkit, some additional resources, something we call healthy futures that'll help you move towards quit. There is a cognitive behavioral therapy and going to a doctor and going to a therapist and getting help. And then there are medications. A lot of teenagers don't realize. So you have to be 18 to go and buy nicotine replacement therapy. So like a patch that has nicotine, you have to be over 18 or 18 and over to be able to go buy that from a pharmacy. But That doesn't mean that you can't get a prescription from a doctor. You can get a prescription from a doctor when you're under 18 Mm -hmm. to be able to go and purchase a patch to help you quit. That's for people who are really addicted to pretty high levels of nicotine and who find that they cannot quit with just therapy alone. And, And so it's important to know that that option is out there. And to be honest, depending on what state you live, but for most teenagers, and this is true in California, you can get the nicotine replacement therapy and patches and gums to be able to help you quit without even getting permission from your parents. Now, don't get me wrong. I think everybody should talk to your parents. I think parents should be a partner in helping teenagers quit. But most important is that you get help. So if you're finding that you cannot talk to your parents about this, it's causing conflict, you can go to a doctor to get help to quit without necessarily involving a parent. So most important is that we get young people to quit, to quit smoking, to quit vaping, to quit chewing, to quit any form of nicotine that they might be using. Right. So assuming someone is addicted to nicotine, what would some of the symptoms of nicotine withdrawal be? Yeah. So nicotine withdrawal, you can have headaches, shakes, 
very strong irritability, feel sick from it, stomach aches, moodiness, pacing, not able to concentrate. Those are a lot of the pretty common um, feelings that teenagers have. And, you know, when you're saying going through withdrawal, people, teenagers included, but people can have that feeling of withdrawal, not just from trying to quit, but if you say haven't taken a hit for an hour or two, teenagers and anybody who's addicted who say needed every hour or need to be vaping or smoking or chewing every hour, if they go an hour without, they're going to feel sick from it. And a lot of times teenagers don't realize, oh, I, you know, I'm just feeling sick because I'm hungry or I'm just not feeling well. They don't necessarily attribute those feelings to addiction, but it can be. And that's why it's important for young people to get help and go talk to a teacher, a parent, an older sibling, um, a counselor, a beloved teacher, a sports coach, anybody who you want to talk to, to be able to um, say, hey, I'm having these symptoms. I'm worried. And is, is there something I should do about it? Another common symptom, by the way, of, of addiction is if you need to vape or smoke as soon as you wake up in the morning, or you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night, shaking, sweating, and you need to take a hit, you're probably addicted. Hmm. And aside from addiction, what effects can chronic nicotine use have on the brain and body? Well, I think it comes to what we talked about earlier. The chronic use of nicotine is largely addiction. As I was saying before, I mean, you know, really nicotine use, particularly as a teenager and, and continue actually changes your brain changes those receptors, changes your brain. So that way you are more dependent on that nicotine. Over time, you know, there are some concerns that nicotine changes and affects the heart and the lungs. I don't think we talked about that yet. So nicotine makes your heart beat faster. It also has effects on your lungs, your respiratory system, and on your heart. We know through particularly studies on mice that people who are smoking and vaping don't have as good circulatory system blood flow through their bodies. And so that can be a cause over time that would be a problem. We also know that there's some concern about cancer and nicotine as well. But I think the other question is, it's not just nicotine that we're concerned about. We're concerned about all the other chemicals that are in vaping and smoking devices. So you may not know, but you know a lot of these devices, vaping devices, for example, but also cigarettes have lead and cadmium and formaldehyde and a lot of other chemicals that are in there. Hundreds in some cases for e-cigarettes, for vaping products. And so those chemicals themselves are also dangerous to your body. E-cigarettes have propylene glycol and glycerin. Those are harmful to your body. They have flavorants. So you may know that e-cigarettes come in flavors and a lot of teens say, that's why I use these products. That's cool. They're in flavors. Mm, those flavors themselves can be harmful to your body. The buttery flavor like diacetyl, it's also in, in microwavable popcorn. That's okay to eat. But if you heat it and inhale that heated diacetyl, heated vanillin, the flavor in vanilla, cinnamon aldehyde, a cinnamon, pulene, which is in menthol, you heat these flavors and then inhale them into your lungs, that could be causing lung damage as well. So it's important to realize that it's not just the nicotine, it's 
the other components that's in the tobacco, but it's also what the manufacturers of these tobacco products add. They're adding um, benzoic acid, a salt-based nicotine, to change the pH level of the nicotine so teenagers like it more in e-cigarettes. Or you've got ammonia added to some of the other tobacco products. And again, flavors, propylene glycol, formaldehyde, you're heating or burning products, and that in and of itself is harmful. Yeah. So you've mentioned a few of these before, but what are the most common forms of nicotine delivery and how do they compare in terms of safety? Yeah. So the most common um, would be um, for teenagers, the most common form of tobacco or nicotine product would be e-cigarettes or vaping. All the national and local science studies show that teens are most likely to initiate with a vaping product and then to continue using a vaping product. But we also know that teenagers and adults are still using cigarettes. They're using cigars or small cigars or cigarillos. They're using chewing tobacco, smokeless tobacco would be another name for it. Those are the most common forms of nicotine delivery. How do they rank in terms of safety? You know, that's a hard one because it depends on what you're talking about. You know, when you're talking about nicotine levels, there is a lot of nicotine in e-cigarettes, for example, like the more common products now, Jewel Puff Bar Flume, some of the other products that are out there have as much nicotine as what you would find in one to two packs of cigarettes in just one of the products, one of the pods or one of the vaping devices. And that's a lot. And some of them are even higher volume than that. So the nicotine itself can be just as bad and as high, if not higher than what we're seeing in cigarettes, cigars, or smokeless tobacco. When it comes to, you know, it's true, e-cigarettes are not burning. They're heated, but they're not burning, whereas a cigarette has the burning, which is very harmful. Absolutely. But, you know, and we don't know about cancer, and this is important. It took 50 years to figure out that cigarettes are causing cancer. We've only had e-cigarettes on the market in the United States since 2007. We've only really been studying them since about 2012, 2013. It's taking us a long time to know, and it takes a long time for cancer in the body to develop. So we don't really know whether we're going to find that e-cigarettes are causing cancer. Right now, we don't see the evidence. But again, a lot of the ingredients and chemicals that are in cigarettes, or excuse me, that are in e-cigarettes are what we call carcinogenic, that they can cause cancer. But again, you're, you know, formaldehyde and, and cadmium and lead and a lot of other chemicals that are in, in all of these products that we worry about. So it's hard really to think about it as a continuum, particularly when we're talking about young people, because for young people, your brains are developing, your lungs are developing, and I don't care what you're putting into your brains and your lungs, it can be harmful if you're vaping or smoking it. So we want to protect your lungs and brain early and as much as we can. Yeah. So let's continue to talk about vaping for a little bit. As the FDA has recently authorized the marketing of electronic cigarette product, we haven't really gone over this yet. What exactly are electronic cigarettes? Sure. 
So electronic cigarettes are a um, typically a battery-operated device, electronic device that has a coil for heating, and it has, sometimes has some absorbent material, generally has a battery, either a disposable battery, so you throw it away when you're done, which, you know, has environmental hazards, or it might be one that you charge into the wall um, or into your computer. And in those, in, in the electronic cigarettes are e-liquids. And that's where the chemicals are in. That's the part that's heated up and that you inhale. And by the way, it forms an aerosol, not a vapor. That's why I hate calling them vaping products, even though a lot of teenagers and adults do. Um, but they're really aerosolizing products or aerosols. So think of you know water. Water vapor is when you heat water and it goes in the air, like in the form of steam. But that is not what is happening here. It is not water. It's chemicals that are in that and therefore an aerosol. So that's what those products are. So they're a form of electronic nicotine delivery or electronic smoking device. I think of them as a form of cigarettes or a form of smoking. It's just that it's electronic heating rather than burning. And then you are heating up the e-liquid that is in there to very high heats and then inhaling the aerosol that results. Hmm. I think you've talked a little bit about this already, but why is vaping in teenagers such a challenging problem? So I think that's a challenging problem for a few things. And, you know, you, you and your listeners probably could tell me as much as I can tell you as teenagers. But I would say it's a problem because we were really doing a good job. I've been doing tobacco prevention work for 25 years. We were doing a really good job preventing and stopping teenagers from smoking cigarettes. That was great. And teenagers got the message that they're dangerous. And then suddenly these electronic cigarettes come on the market. And, you know, back to your question about continuum of, of risk, for teenagers, e-cigarettes are not, to me, less harmful than a cigarette because teenagers are not smoking cigarettes. They're smoking e-cigarettes or electronic cigarettes. So to say, well, aren't they healthier? Well, first of all, like I said, not sure they're healthier, but even if they were, we're talking about teenagers and we're not talking about teenagers going from cigarettes to electronic cigarettes. We're talking about teenagers starting with electronic cigarettes and continuing to use them. So that's one of the things that makes the messaging so difficult is we're kind of talking about different things when we talk about adults and teenagers. Um, it's also a problem because we know that the flavors attract young people, the marketing attract young people, the coolness of them, the fact that you can hide them, that they look like household products. The newer e-cigarettes look like USBs and highlighters and are easy to hide, unfortunately. So we know that some of these marketing and product characteristics are why teens start using them. They get hooked because of the nicotine and continue to use them because of the high amounts of nicotine. And then we know that teenagers get sick, heart, lung, uh, harder to play sports, harder to do well in school because of all the other chemicals that are in there, as well as the nicotine. Yeah. So you've talked about how to treat nicotine addiction. Mm -hmm. Can the negative effects associated with nicotine and tobacco be reversed after quitting? Yeah, it's a great question. And they're all good, great questions. Yes and no. So when we lose our brain cells, we lose them forever. But we can certainly start repairing our heart pretty quickly. And even on our lungs get repaired. Now, there's some damage that can remain. We don't know as much about it in terms of 
electronic cigarettes, but we certainly know from nicotine and, and everything else that you're inhaling, again, not just nicotine, but all the other chemicals, that there is some repairing that happens. I would not say, I think it would be unfair to characterize it as completely reversed. You're not going to reverse the course. We know people who have quit smoking cigarettes, for example, quit smoking for 30 years and then have lung cancer. So unfortunately, the damage to our lungs remains. The damage to our hearts does repair quite a bit. The damage to our brains, when we change our brains because of an addiction or because of introduction of any drugs, by the way, not just nicotine, the THC that's in cannabis or, or marijuana or pot or weed, whatever um, your terms are, um, you know, that changing of, in your brains remains as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone relapses after quitting, does that mean that long-term recovery is not possible? No, not at all. Great question, but not at all. And important for your listeners to hear, if you are vaping or smoking or, or using or chewing or using any form of nicotine and you had trouble quitting, try again, try again, try again. Like I said, for adults, it takes around seven to five to 11, seven to 11, many, many times to have a successful quit. It's important for people and particularly teenagers to get help and keep trying to quit. You're not a failure if you were not able to quit on the first time. It takes several times to do that. And sometimes you start off by trying to go cold turkey, just suddenly I'm going to stop using, but then you find that it's harder and harder. So then you might need more therapy or more nicotine replacement medication, pharmacological um, agents to help you quit. Keep trying and you can be successful. It just may take a little while. Yeah. So let's sidetrack for a bit. What are the effects of nicotine use during pregnancy? And are nicotine replacement therapies or e-cigarettes safer than regular cigarettes during this time? Yeah, I mean, you definitely, no nicotine is good, period. And no nicotine is good to a fetus. Um, it's a drug. And drugs, drugs are harmful to your body and therefore to the fetus. But smoking is going to be worse than any other form because it's not because it's going through your lungs and it's a very effective way to get from the lungs um, and also to to the baby's lungs and to your brain as well. So, you know, it's the one area where I would say maybe there's a little bit of a variation there or, or risk continuum, you know, smoking anything, including vaping, by the way, when I say smoking, I mean, vaping versus say chewing is certainly going to be worse for the fetus than if you were chewing, but any form of chemicals, you know, alcohol, caffeine, anything that we put into our body, including nicotine, can be very harmful to the developing fetus. It's super incredibly important that if, if you are pregnant, that you stop taking drugs altogether. Nicotine is a drug. Remember that. So how can we prevent nicotine addiction? And what measures, if any, have been taken to protect vulnerable youth? Sure. I mean, one is, I love that you're doing this podcast. We have to keep talking to people. We have to talk to teenagers and say, you know, be honest about these products. These products are harmful. To be honest, the tobacco industry and the vaping industry is out to get you. Why? Because if we can get you hooked when you're 12, 13, 14, then we've got a user for life. You know, if I'm a tobacco industry and I don't start hooking somebody or I don't introduce a cigarette or an electronic cigarette to them until they're 40, they don't become addicted and they're probably not going to become addicted when they start at 40, then, you know, I don't have a lifetime customer, but if I can get you 
If I can get a 12, 13, 14, 16, even 18, 20 year old, if I can get you hooked, I've got you hooked for 60 years, right? Mm -hmm. So it's better for my pocket. It's better for my wallet. It's better for my financial well-being if I get young people. So we got to stop and help teenagers understand that you're being targeted. Those ads, those commercials for flavors, those YouTube videos, those social media posts that you might be seeing, they're not doing that for older adults. They're doing it for you. They're trying to attract you. So we have to get that word out. We have to help teenagers understand that the marketing is marketing to them and to do counter marketing to try to get teenagers not to use these products and to develop counter marketing to say, hey, these aren't good. These are bad and try to develop messages themselves to help um, themselves quit and help others. We also just, we, we need, so we need education and we have our tobacco prevention toolkit that anybody can look up and use. We also have a cannabis prevention toolkit. We need young people to be educated, but we also need to change policies. We should not be having nicotine products, vaping products with so much nicotine in there, one to two plus packs of cigarettes worth of nicotine. There's no reason why we should have that much nicotine out there. We need policies to prevent that. We need policies to prevent flavors. We need policies that help age verify. So a 16-year-old or a 20-year-old can't buy these products. You have to be 21 to be able to purchase. And by the way, The law is protecting young people. The law does not make a young person in trouble. The law makes the person who sold it to you in trouble. So the market, the retailer, the shop where you went, um, and that's really important. So that's a lot of what we need to do to make sure that we help protect our young people. And finally, is there anything else you'd like to add? You know, I I just, I'm thrilled that you're doing this um, podcast. Thank you. And I'm thrilled for the young people there who are trying to get involved. Get involved. If you are using, nobody, it's, we're not mad at you. We want to help you. So go get some help. Go talk to young people. If you're not using, don't start. And if you're not using and you want to get involved in different youth groups, there are a lot of youth groups out there to help you stay vigilant, to help other teenagers, other people your age quit or not start in the first place. So I just want to encourage and empower young people to take action and encourage and empower young people to not be alone out there in whatever area they're starting in, whether they're not using, they're using a little bit or they're using a lot, that there's help out there um, and that we're all on your side. I want to thank you again, Dr. Bonnie, for this very informative session. And I really appreciate you taking your time to explain nicotine to us. You are most welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs>